This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. How's your banana? Yeah, very good, thank you. Excellent. Also with us is Paul Gorse, the tallest member of the sports desk. Hi, Paul. Hello, Ian. And also Connor Dunn. Hi, Connor. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm okay. How's your hand? Sore. Is it sore? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you may need to leave us at the moment, mightn't you? I need to go to hospital after yes. Barcelona loss, not win. I drowned my sorrows, ran home, fractured my hand after falling over because I was quite drunk. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, um, <laughs> James, Liverpool, uh, as everybody knows, did not win the league in the end. Uh, you did not go and drown your sorrows and you did not fall over. However, what was your reaction now that there's been about, how many hours, 12 or something, like maybe nearly 24 hours since the game finished? What Are you you proud of what Liverpool achieves? Is there a sense of regret of what might have been or was it just mixed emotions or are you just glad it's all over? <laughs> um, yeah, a bit of all of that, I think. Um, yeah, definitely pride. You know, you couldn't help... But, you know, it was uplifting the mood around Anfield, especially in the final few minutes. And then, what was it, for 15, 20 minutes after the final whistle? I mean, the the noise was absolutely deafening. Um, you know, I was thinking about it last night, really, because I'm sure, you know, Sky and the, the broadcasters loved, you know, they 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 wanted kind of heaven and hell, didn't they, on, on the final day? You know, the the absolute euphoria and then the devastation. But they didn't, they didn't really get that because that wasn't the mood around Anfield, despite... Obviously, the the pain and the heartache of missing out on the big prize. I think, you know, before long before the final whistle, you know, people had kind of parked that to one side and wanted to show their appreciation for what this manager and this group of players have contributed over the last nine months. And um, yeah, it was it was uplifting to be there actually and to and to experience it because um, you know, I, I think I don't think you'd have got that response at, at many, if any, other top clubs after after missing out on a big prize like that. But I think it says a lot about where the club's at at the moment and the positivity and the belief and hope that still abounds. Connor, were you uplifted being at Anfield sat next to me on, uh, on Sunday? <laughs> not being up, not being uplifted by being sat next to me, but you just happened to be sat next to me. By physically being there. Yeah, yeah certainly not by sitting next to you, but certainly was by being that at Anfield. very rude. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, to be fair, as James said perfectly, really, Anfield was absolutely bouncing and... Even when City scored, even when City went two up, you know, people just left it alone and they took their turns, you know, highlighted every Liverpool player singing songs about each player one by one and just celebrated exactly what they'd achieved this season. And it was just wonderful, really. And you could just feel the belief and feel the hope and feel exactly where Liverpool are going to be next season. And I don't think there was any sort of sense that, oh, that might have been or that was really disappointing or any of that, really, to be honest. And Everybody realises Liverpool have only been beaten once this season and you could only see as Anfield rose to its feet yesterday after the final whistle and just erupted into song again despite missing out on the Premier League. It's just, yeah, it's incredible to see. I mean, Gorst, you were watching it on television here in the office. Uh, I mean, that moment in the first half were in the stadium. It was a bit odd because yeah. everyone started cheering randomly and we were like, <laughs> nobody's, you know, there's no goal at Brighton. What's going on here? And then literally about 30 seconds later, Brighton did score. So clearly they must have known something we didn't. But... How did that come across on television? Because certainly Liverpool's players seem to be affected by it, and Klopp admitted as much uh, mm-hmm. after the game. Yeah, it was. It was very strange. Uh, the whole of Anfield started cheering, and Jamie Carragher on commentary just shouted misinformation. And maybe the, the cheer was because Brighton actually got a corner, um, the corner that they ended up scoring from. And it, it was a bit surreal because there was the cheer, and then the second one. And to Liverpool's players, it must have seemed as though Brighton had taken a 2 0 lead. 
And there was that weird couple of moments where someone went down with what was probably a bit of a false injury whilst, you know, there was some information related to the players and um, they were told that Brighton had scored and then it, it stopped for that long that they were probably told the City had equalised. Um, so it was a, a weird few minutes and I think that, that basically translated onto the pitch for the rest of the game. Liverpool were nowhere near the best um, at set of the times, probably the, the worst they, they played in months really and... Um, I was a bit worried at one nil. I thought Wolves might sneak an equaliser and it'd just be a, you know, such a deflating finish to what's been a remarkable season. But thankfully, Liverpool stuck at it, got the second goal, and you know what can you say? Ninety-seven points, one defeat. It's still not enough to to beat this incredible, groundbreaking Manchester City team. But um, no reason to be disappointed, as James says. Um, they still got <coughs> certain game on June the first. I need to look forward to. Indeed, James, as Gus just said, ninety-seven <coughs> points. If at the start of the season you'd have been told that Liverpool would have 97 points, would you have taken that? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd probably take an 87. I think 97 is just a ridiculous number, isn't it? 30 league wins in a in a season. Um, You know, one defeat, and even that one defeat, you know, by the the finest of of margins at the Etihad back at the the start of the new year. What was it? 11.7 millimeters. millimeters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So I think I think that's why you know. I was doing the kind of the video reaction piece inside Anfield probably two hours after the game had finished last night, and all I could hear was the songs being sung in the the pubs all around the ground, and um, you know everywhere was absolutely jam packed, and you know the mood wasn't defeatist, it, you know it was it was very defiant, and I think you know as Gorsi said, part of the reason is that is because this isn't the end of the season anyway. We've got a Champions League final to come in Madrid on June the first, and you know lifting that trophy is the perfect way to to kind of uh, dispense with the pain of missing out on the Premier League title. But also, you know, I think the vast majority of supporters would take a step back and and just think they couldn't have done any more. I know, I know some will point to the seven-point lead and, you know, the, you think of some of the draws, which if only... You can't do that though, can well, you? You can't, I know, I know, you can't I know, because yeah. you can't because there's never ever been a team before in the history of any of Europe's top flights that's ever got this many points and not yeah. won the league. So there's there's no way that there's any comparison in terms of oh we should have got some points there because yeah. every other single time ever it has been enough. Yeah, and, and and that's why that's why the mood was like it was because it wasn't like you, you compare that to five years ago when. Again, it was slightly different dynamic because on the final day five years ago, Liverpool needed City to lose at home to West Ham. Who I think Allardyce had given them the whole week off, and it was it just you you never you went there not even thinking it could happen. I think this time around there was a different feeling because of the miracle that had happened in midweek and the fact we just needed City to effectively drop points and and not lose. But um, you know, it's it's just a completely different feel, isn't it? Because five years ago, Liverpool it felt like. You know, it, that came out of nowhere. Suddenly, they were on this amazing the ride that then you thought Liverpool was so tantalisingly close to it, and then you know, it, and then it all blew up in their faces. This this time around, you, you can't have the same kind of regrets because you know, to, to finish the season with nine straight wins, you know, and, and still you got people going on about you know Liverpool have bottled it and, and not held their nerve and all the rest of it. And the, drop, the thing is, what they dropped two points since February the twenty fifth. It's just. They've just had the misfortune of, of being up against, you know, a, just a ridiculously good team in Man City. We'll talk about the bottlers then, Connor. We'll come on to you first. I mean, what do you make of those people who are trying to find a reason as to why Liverpool did not win this league title by looking at some of the results which they, the games they didn't win? I mean, they played 38 games this season. They won 30 of them. As, as Scorsese said, they only lost one. 
it just seems remarkable anybody could try and pick holes in that, especially when they won. The, as James just said, the last nine, which were the ones where you would expect, oh, if they're going to stumble, it'll be now. Man City won the last 14. It was the, the great twist in the tale. Was that there wasn't a twist? Yeah, it's just your absolute classic of fans that have nothing to celebrate trying to pick <laughs> holes in what is essentially an incredible season. Well, there are some Liverpool fans who are saying that. Admittedly, they're not not very sensible or sane ones. I I personally haven't seen any Liverpool fans saying it, but I'll take your word for it. But I've I've seen, you know, the Wolves fans yesterday were taking great delight in the fact that City have won the league and they might, you know, they might play in Europa this season. They're going to finish seventh. I mean, you know, it's silly. It's it's just there's so many fans and it's so much on Twitter, so much on social media and it's just people trying to find joy in others' misfortune because they essentially have nothing else to celebrate. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's either being deliberately inflammatory or people who don't actually know a whole lot about football. And I, I, I don't think, I think we waste too much energy on talking about people like that as it is. I, I prefer well, to prefer not to talk about them then. Just refer or address this any kind of accusation that Liverpool in any way bottled it this season. No, not at all. I mean, the team's got ninety-seven points. There's only two seasons where that's been higher this season and, and last season from City. So. It's a, it's a ridiculous claim, and I think even if some fans are disappointed and they think, oh, well, they went 1-0 up against Leicester and they went 1-0 up against West Ham, which is possibly a fair point, but then you think of the luck that Liverpool had in the Mayside derby against Tottenham. There's six points that could quite easily be in two, and, you know, if you give and take over a 38-game season, not you know, and I think for anyone to even dare suggest that Liverpool have, have bottled this in any way, you're either deliberately... You know, poking the bear, or do you don't actually know a whole lot about the game? Would you agree with that, James? I know that this is something that you're quite vociferous about. Yeah, absolutely. It's just this Liverpool team, and they they couldn't have done any more than than they have done. You think about how many tight corners they got themselves out of. Um, you know, you could. You know, I, I was thinking about it last night, and you think about you know Leicester at home, and you think, you know, I think even you know one big thing for me was probably the. The, the penalty Liverpool should have had when Cater was mm. taken out. And I know you, there's loads of other ones you could look at. You could look at the Fabinho free kick that Liverpool scored the winner from at, at Newcastle last week and say, well, that was never a free kick or whatever. So, as Gorsi said, you, over the course of the season, you get those things. A lot of things go your way. A lot of things don't. But by and large, a lot of those fine margins in games have gone Liverpool's way just because of the sheer will to win that the players have shown. And you know they, they picked up a ridiculous number of points in games where it looked like it was slipping away from them, but they they somehow miraculously found found a way. They dug in, and they ground it out. And no, and I and I think that that's why the mood was like it was because it you know it wasn't one of those title races where ultimately you know they fell short because of their own inadequacies. This you know as Klopp said himself, this is this this team deserves to be ranked alongside any in Liverpool's entire history. Um, Do you agree with that? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. Bear in mind think... that there is the Champions League final to come as well, so they could actually win something. But just looking at the Premier League season as a whole, in terms of as a league season, is that one of Liverpool's best ever? Even though yeah. they have won it 18 times in the past, I think it has to be. Just just when you look at the, you just look at the numbers. I mean, all the numbers are just ridiculous, and you know, and, and of, of course, you know, all those individual awards, all those players would swap them for the ultimate team prize, but you know. As well as the points, as well as the wins, you know the best offensive record in the entire division. When you compare that to when Klopp came in, and that you know how vulnerable Liverpool looked defensively, you know Alison Becker 
you know, unbelievable first season for him, winning the Golden Glove. Mane and Salah sharing the Golden Boot with Aubameyang. You know, Van Dijk by far and away the, the you know, the the best performer in the Premier League, the PFA player players player of the year. Uh, you know, you think of the season that Trent's had. It's you know, you just you go through that entire team, and there's been so many huge contributions over the course of the of the campaign. And I think that was why we saw the we saw the scenes we saw yesterday because. And I think it helps the fact that I think Liverpool fans know that this isn't the flash in the pan that that it was under Rodgers five years ago, Benitez 2008-09, Julier 2001-02. It just feels, you know, this isn't going to be a false dawn because the circumstances are just so, so different. When you look at, you know, Liverpool aren't going to lose a star man this summer, no chance. You know, they're only going to get stronger. The age group of this this team and this squad, their best years are are still ahead of them. so I, th- I think that softens the pain as well because I think, especially five years ago, I think everyone knew that was a, a once-in-a-lifetime shot for that group of players. It was never going to happen again. You know, I, f- I think, like most people, I fully expect Liverpool to be back pushing City all the way next season. I don't, I don't see anyone else even getting close to either of them because I just think there's such a, a huge gulf between the, the, the top two and the rest. I mean, Klopp Connor um, said after the game, he was asked, sorry, that uh, whether he was worried that Liverpool had done as much as they could possibly do and still not win the league. And Klopp kind of said, no, he's not worried about that. But he did say that Liverpool would have to be very, very, very close to perfection to win the title next season. And this harks a little bit back to when Benitez was going for the league uh, up against Manchester United, where he'd always say we'd have to have a perfect season to win it. And as Jamie just said, they came close one year. Liverpool have come close this year. What do Liverpool need to do next year? Or is it a case of, can they do better than 97 points or is it waiting for City to you know, have an, an inevitable drop-off because they can't keep that going forever? I don't think it's necessarily that they're going to need to achieve 97 points every season to come close to the title. But obviously, you know, they're going to have to be up in the 90s to, to get there because that's what it's, it's going to be. I don't think it's particularly that, that high. Um, but yeah, we were talking earlier and it seems like you've probably almost got five, six, seven games where you can feasibly drop points to stay up with Liverpool or City. Um yeah, and it's it's quite a quite a precedent that they've set this season to be to be where they are. But yeah, I don't think it's obviously a one season wonder at all. It's you know what Klopp can do in the summer and to build on this team is is going to be amazing because he doesn't need to buy big, he doesn't need to change drastic things. Just have one or two players slightly change the dynamic and be a better team again, and it's just a really exciting time. My worry is um, Liverpool have had to show so much reserve of character and so much of the aforementioned battle that they've had to you know they've come back in games such as full, where Fulham equalised Burnley went, went a goal ahead um, obviously Newcastle was one where they dug deep and they've had to fight and claw and scratch and City on the other hand have seemingly cruised through most of the games I can, the only one I can think of is Tottenham where Tottenham had a, a string of chances and they probably should have scored a couple of them um, every other game seems to have gone relatively smoothly for them. Um, why, why is that? Is that because City play a certain way, which means that they aren't really got at? Or is it because over the course of the last couple of years, teams just look at City and go, we've got no chance, so we're not even going to bother trying. We'll just put everybody behind the ball and see what happens. Because Liverpool haven't had a lot of that this season. Yeah. There, were, there were some t- teams who just did do that. Cardiff, for example, did that, and they failed. But is that something that perhaps Liverpool will gain next season? Yeah, quite possibly, actually. Um, didn't think of it like that. I've, you know, when you watch City and you're hoping for the other team to get a result, you realise how good City are. 
the way they, they press and they cut off angles, so it was difficult for the other team to make certain passes. And there was a few times where Leicester went forward and um, the way City moved basically sent Leicester backwards and they, they couldn't get near to where they were trying to go. And you just realise how, how well-drilled Guardiola's got them. And then there is a, a case of teams just showing up and just be being happy for just to escape with a, with a one or 2 nil defeat. So maybe Liverpool will have that luxury next season, but um, that brings with it its own challenges. And that was something that Liverpool struggled to, to deal with in, in Klopp's first full season. But it, it's, a, it's a lot different now squad-wise and it's, you know, it shouldn't be too much of an issue as it was back in that 16-17 season. It's interesting what you say, though, in terms of has Liverpool, you know, having to fight this season, is that going to teach them a, a will? You know, they will get some easy games next year, but when they come up against the hard games, they already have that in them. They know they can do it. They know they can dig deep. And that mm. is going to, you know, that lesson is going to be so invaluable going forward, whereas perhaps City don't have quite that same level of fight and that's why they get knocked out of the Champions we League. We never get to see it, do we? Yeah. Yeah. Champions League is the only one that, that it's knockout games, isn't yeah. it? Mm. I mean, confession time, I must admit, I've barely seen a Man City game this season because I've got about three minutes into it, they've scored, and then I've just gone off and done something else. I mean, so I don't exactly know really how good they are. I mean, obviously, I went to the, the, the two games where they actually played against Liverpool, and they were quite easily the best team Liverpool played this season. And the and the only team that Liverpool have not beaten out of the 25 that they've faced, both uh, home and abroad. I mean, how, how many of City's games did you watch towards the end, Jay? All of them, actually, in the last really? month or so. Really? Yeah, yeah. You don't tell yeah. every week, aren't they? Yeah, put myself through it. And um, do you know what... I, I mean, they are an unbelievably good team, but do you know what? That there were moments in each of those games where, you know, they they also enjoyed some luck along the way. They, you know, despite how formidable they are, you know, I think, you know, the, the Tottenham game, you know, the Tottenham had three or four unbelievable mm, chances through as well, unbelievable they, yeah. chances. And but is it, I think, is it, I think is that's it bad good. luck when it, when your goalkeeper makes really good saves. It's not, is it really? No, but it's not just. But you know, it's there's also it was also a degree of poor finishing as well and I think that was just the frustration that they with the fixtures they had when you you know if you rewind probably two months they had the tougher running and you just wanted at least one of those games where you know to see them go behind to see them find themselves in the kind of position of adversity that Liverpool have dug themselves out of so many times and it just never happened and and I don't think that was just purely down to their own brilliance it was you know the the cards just ended up falling in their favour. Even Burnley, and I know Burnley weren't weren't great that day, but that, you know Chris Wood had a chance where if if his touch hadn't let him down, he was clean through on goal. Um, so you know, and, he, and, and even even Leicester. I mean that that Leicester game, you know, Iniacho. Oh, you know, yeah. you know that <laughs> I did see that. Didn't yeah. fancy you know, that one, did he? You know that that you know that's. That's not Man City brilliance, is it? That's that's just absolutely horrific well, finishing. It, to be fair, it is Man City brilliance to sell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, and and even even the Vincent Company goal. I mean, yeah, uh, you just ridiculous. you know, you, I struggle to begrudge him that moment because I just think he's so, he comes across as as a lot of things about Man City that I really really dislike. Um, Go but, on, name name some. Just, just you know, do you know I'm what? I'm only the, joking. The, you don't have to. Well, no, I can name some of them. Just <laughs> well, the, their ownership for for starters, and you know, you think of the, the flaunting the, of fan- the checkered financial rules history. That, yeah, yeah. The, you know, it's only one team that's under investigation by FIFA, UEFA, the FA, and the Premier League, and um, so you know, and they've got they've got certain players there that don't go a bundle on. But company, you know, he's he's just he's just like an ultimate pro, isn't he? You know, he, I. You know, he's just a class act as well. You know, you think about you know all the work he's done for like the homeless in Manchester as well. Like, so 
even watching that, despite your own personal disappointment, you couldn't help but think, you know, that is an unbelievable moment for a player that's, you know, devoted so much of his career to that club. But, but it's still a fluke. You know, it's, you know, it's, and then, you know, you, you see on Sky that, what was it, six years since he'd even yeah. had, a, he'd had a shot on goal from outside yeah. the box and they showed it. And it was like a little low 20 yarder against Palace, I think it was in 2013. And the, That's so, good research, to be fair, to, the, get, um, to dig that out. But there's, you know, so there's there's been a lot of little moments along the way that have fallen in their favour. So it was, they are an unbelievable team, but I, I haven't watched them in the last month and, and thought, forget it. You know, Liverpool are wasting their time trying to trying to leapfrog them because you know. And I, and I think the other thing that went in for City's favour ultimately was the going out of the Champions League in in the closing weeks of the season gave them that extra time to prepare. And I don't think you should underestimate how impressive it is that Klopp has somehow got Liverpool through, you know, that three knockout round ties against Bayern, Porto and Barcelona without without dropping a single point in the Premier League. Connor, do you agree? I mean, what am I going to disagree with there, do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't I know. agree. The thing, is, the thing is, James threw me there. I thought he was going to carry on speaking. What I will ask then You nodded off, haven't you? I nodded <laughs> to be fair. What I will ask is, uh, it's an interesting point. Somebody else made this, Simon Hughes, which is one that I agree with. And he said that perhaps the Premier League... Okay, the way he put it was they should be thankful for Liverpool because they ended up making what would have been another procession for Manchester City into one of what well, Alan Shearer reckons it was the best Premier League season ever in terms of the quality. You know, in terms of the points and the games won, there's no argument in, in in that. But do you feel as though obviously you take away the likes of your Everton fans and United fans, but to the to the neutral that they should be happy that Liverpool have made this as quite as interesting as it actually was. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean it. It's no feat, it's no small feat for Liverpool to have actually produced what they did to make the massive jump from where they were and where they've been. It's absolutely incredible. And obviously for everybody watching, it just it just brings City back a little bit into focus, doesn't it? Rather than them running away and winning the league in essentially March or by Christmas, basically last year. Um, so yeah, it makes everything in this team and it makes games exciting for fans. You know, even Wolves, Brighton on the last day, their fans are saying they were part of the title race down to the last day. So of course the fans should be thankful for it, of course. Yeah, uh, I mean, w- without Liverpool, what, what would we have got on another City procession? And that's a bit boring. They've the same teams in the league every season. At a cancer, unless, it, unless it's your team. Well, yeah, I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as I mean, you, you can't disagree with what Connor's saying. I mean, Liverpool did provide the competition, and while uh, City and, and Liverpool were were um, given their fans a spectacle for, for the top two by winning all the games, the race for the top four, they were losing all theirs, weren't they? So that at least fans were kept on the tenter hooks for what what was happening with both of those prospects up until the final day. But yeah, I'd, I expect. The top six to be the top six once again. It's just a case of where those teams are going to fall, and everyone's got work to do really, except for Liverpool and Manchester City. I think City were fortunate, James. Where they, you mentioned then about their games during the run in their tough games is that they ended up playing Tottenham straight after they had beat lost. Well, they beat them actually, didn't they? They played Tottenham. What was it? Three times this four three times a season and won days, three and yeah. lost one. It was just the one that that, that did them because uh, Tottenham you could tell were a little bit leggy, but but City had that extra motivation because of what happened to them. And then when they played Manchester United, Manchester United just just gone. And if, if City had played United when Liverpool played United two months early, it would have been a completely different game. But you all have to play everybody twice, so on and so forth. So two things then for you, James. One, did City deserve to win the league? And two, 
what ultimately what ultimately was it that won them it? And don't say because they got one extra point. What was the one thing that turned it in their favour? Yeah, well, you'd have to say they deserved it just because you can't. You, uh, it would be stupid to say they didn't because I was rather hoping you'd, you'd help me out. Well, there. no, but you can't. <laughs> you can't. Fourteen in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. You know, did Liverpool deserve to finish second? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just, just said no there. Was, you just said no. That's interesting. They didn't, did they? Like, as you said at the start of this podcast, they've, no team ever in European history of football league, rah, rah, has ever finished second with that many points. So, of course, they didn't like, deserve to finish second. Of course. But, but, City, deserve, good... but City deserve to win it. Yeah, so they I both so... deserve to win it. They both deserve to be winners. And I'm not the only person to say that. The players believe it as well. Like, you know, to get that many points for both the teams, it's incredible. Both those totals would have won any other season apart from this one. And the last one, obviously, was City did. It's just Liverpool's misfortune, as James said, that City were in such a good form and are in such a mark like Pep Guardiola's assembled the most expensive squad in football history he has that at his disposal to go and win the Premier League they weren't in the Champions League for the last few games so you know that's a massive stroke of luck and a stroke of fortune where he can you know or stroke of whatever you want to call it that he can use to go and win a title yeah I so, think, what, I think so what depth, made the difference then depth, just yeah. depth of talent I think yeah. and, and and I wouldn't eat like and Liverpool's squad is still unbelievably strong when you look at the you know you looked at that bench yesterday and even the players who didn't even make the bench it's not but it's not like five years ago where you were looking at that bench and seeing Ali Sissoko and Victor, Victor Moses, Moses and you know people like that Unknown. it's you know the the but the, the bar has just been set so ridiculously high now and yeah that that was ultimately the difference I think maybe maybe the fact that also City's players had, had been there and done it already um I think I think Liverpool handled the pressure unbelievably well, but I do think maybe when they, when they were really out in front and they had that wobble in the new year, that that, that maybe the experience was a telling factor in a, in a few games there. But no, we're talking about it's a single point, isn't it? And it's you know it's 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 it's, it's like a it's a bitter pill to swallow. But you know the the fact of the matter is, yeah, you'd have to I, you'd have to say City do they would. They were worthy champions. How can you argue with a team that wins 14 on the bounce? Riyad Mahrez was signed in the summer as a squad player for 60 million. Um, I think he only made 14 starts. He eventually scores that third goal, which clinches the title, doesn't it, essentially? Um, if Liverpool would have signed Mahrez at 60 million, he'd be the second most expensive Liverpool player of all time, and he wouldn't be someone who'd be kicking his heels on the bench. He's third, third. Alisson, second. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Alisson, yeah. Okay. But still, I mean, yeah. yeah. Second most, most expensive outfield player. So it just shows you that City are operating above Liverpool in terms of who they can pay for and, and so on. Um, not that Liverpool are poor by any stretch, but just things like that, don't you? You know, all those type of things help. Um, and he, he hasn't been a star by any means, Riyad Mahrez at City, but he scored a crucial goal yesterday and um, Liverpool don't quite have the luxury to have £60 million subs. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now, Connor, the game was kind of a sideshow in the end on uh, on Sunday, but there were two things that did come out of it. The first thing was, well, three actually. The, the first thing was Sadio Mane scoring twice, which means that he's ended up sharing the golden boot with Aubameyang and Salah. Uh, golden boots. Golden boots, indeed, yeah. Um, also, Trent Alexander-Arnold moved on to 12 Premier League assists, which is the most by a defender in a single season. And a clean sheet for Alison Becker, which means that he won the... Golden Glove Awards. Yeah, 
Could you elaborate a little bit further on that? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure you quite... You <laughs> he hasn't got the hang of this question in that, <laughs> That's very good. It is. Well done to the players. <laughs> but as James has said, does that underline how Liverpool are improving that they're managing to claim all these individual awards? Yeah, massively. And obviously you've got players all over the pitch who produce incredible performances. Robertson could have had Trent's accolade. Like it's just, there's so many players in Liverpool's team that are brilliant. And it's just, you know, it's their first season together, essentially. And that is why the hope and is there just to come forward next season and build on what we've done this season. I don't think anybody realistically expected Liverpool to achieve so much individually or as a team. I think you'd have to be crazy or ridiculously optimistic to think they'd only lose one game and achieve 97 points and that shows that the fact that the players are individually brilliant and the fact they are a team and that the the whole environment that Klopp's created at the club is just going to be something to go forward with and build on and yeah it gives you massive hope when you see these players collecting these awards because they're going to be there again Salah's done it twice in a row and it's just so many things that Liverpool fans haven't seen for such a long time me never in my life essentially of all of this I think it's I think it's going to give Liverpool a bit of an aura, isn't it? Not not quite invincibility, but certainly, as you say, about going into games where teams are just happy to escape Anfield with a with a one or a two nil. And I think the more that this team, as Connor says, it's only the first first real season, is it with with Allison in goal and uh, the likes of Kaysen and Fabinho bedding in. So the longer that team grows, the more chance they've got of, of success. And particularly if they head into next season as European champions, that'll just be another kind of if teams come to Anfield and they think, oh, we're playing the European champions here today, these are a serious team, it just gives us that, that little bit more of of, a, of an advantage. James, who would be your Premier League player of the year then for Liverpool? Oh, you'd have to go for Virgil van Dijk, I think, just just for the, the sheer consistency of him and, and just not only his personal performances, but just his impact on players around him as well because he's such a, a commanding figure and a, and a leader an organizer and he, he's I'd say you know he's probably the biggest single reason why they're the best defensive record in the in the top flight um and you know Allison wouldn't be wouldn't be too far behind him as well I think you know he he can be massively massively proud but you just go through the entire entire team you know you sat there thinking about it yesterday and obviously the cop in turn was serenading each of the players and it's just a very very likable Liverpool team full of you know not just not just amazing talent, but like really great personalities, grounded, humble people that fans, I think, could feel that you know, they feel a, a strong bond with and associate with. You know, you, the two fullbacks you wouldn't swap for for anyone. I don't even think in European football. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold more assists than any other Premier League defender ever at the age of twenty. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So you think of Andy Robertson. You know, two years ago, relegated with Hull, now about to walk out in his second Champions League final. You know, you think about how you know it's easy to forget how good Joe Gomez was in the first half of the season. Liverpool wouldn't have been anywhere near competing for the title, but for how good Gomez was, and then Matip. You know, I've been, um, you know, I just can't believe how good Joel Matip was in the second half of the season. Just for a fella who was like the fourth choice centre half to play as well as he has done, and he a hundred percent deserves to start that final in Madrid. Um, and I don't even think that's really much of a much of a, of a of a talking point because he's been that good. And then in midfield, as of course he said, you know the way that Fabino and Naby Keita kicked on after difficult starts. You know the way Klopp handled them was you know his man management at his absolute best. Genie Wijnaldum, like you know, like what a season he had. You know, I think he was really unlucky not to be in the PFA Team of the Year 
Um, you know, I like the fact that Klopp took him off a couple of minutes from from time yesterday, and he deserved that ovation because he kind of epitomises the kind of selfless, you know, team ethic that runs through that squad. When you think about you know the number of different jobs he's done for the team, the leadership of Henderson and Milner, you know, the two you know wily old figures in the dressing room, and um, and then the front three who have done what they you know they've tormented defenders all season so and then even you know the way just the whole the whole thing that Klopp has created is is epitomized by the way that those players who don't even have had much of a look in how they suddenly stepped up and delivered you think of Shakiri and Origi and you know players like that who you know suddenly when they have been thrown in they they've they've grasped their chance as well so yeah there's a, there's a there's a lot to be positive and, and buoyant about you didn't mention Moreno then no, I wouldn't say he's made a massive contribution <laughs> to the last nine two months. Pins, the, uh, and I think the cops seem to forget about him because he didn't, he didn't get his name chanted. The, uh, but that, there I mean, was bound to be one person that chanted it. The, uh, but again, you know, the, obviously, I think it's fair to say that was the last time we'll see Moreno and and Sturridge at, at Anfield. Um, Mignolet as well, potentially. Do you think? Min- yeah, I think Mignolet will be an interesting one. I mean, Klopp said himself, didn't he, the other week? I think he described him as the, the best number two in the Premier League, which. Um, I think he's probably spot on, but I'm not quite sure that's that's the role that Simon Mignolet will want to play at this stage in his career, and um, you know because of the season it's been, and I think I think he said himself, you know he's a classy individual, Mignolet in terms of I think he recognises the fact that being not getting not getting a look in this season is much easier to take when you're up against someone uh, as good as Alison Becker. I think what what he found very difficult to handle was playing second fiddle to Loris Carrius because Mignolet is a much better keeper than, than Carrius will ever be. Um, but that'll be that'll be an interesting one for Klopp to deal with this summer because if Mignolet does want to go, I think I think Klopp will will let him uh, and then Liverpool will have to go and, go and sign another senior keeper because although they've got, obviously, Grabara will be coming back from loan and Klopp likes Kelleher, but I, th- I don't think you, could, you couldn't go into the season just with those two as backup for Alisson. Very brief then, Connor, player of the year. Yeah, it's got to be Van Dijk. And to be fair, like James's assessment, you could go through every single player and just outline what they've done and how well they've done and lord them with so much praise this season. Because, yeah, as you said, like Wijnaldum was absolutely fantastic. Like this whole season, it's been the performances produced and some of the goals he scored and like the things he's work rate, it's just phenomenal. But yeah, Van Dijk just purely for the impact on everyone around him, the common influence he has on the defence, and the fact that he's taken Liverpool from what was a chaotic backline into what is now an absolutely master of the art of defending it's incredible Ghosty do you believe that Liverpool lost the league because they allowed Nathaniel Klein to go out on loan uh, overwhelming <laughs> 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 remember that because I was just thinking then he played against Manchester United and I, I think yeah, he only started yeah. that, was it two games or one game yeah. just started that one game and he did really well then so people were fuming when, yeah, when he went exactly. out on loan as James said everybody's done the bit haven't they yeah well J- James Milner played the near right back against Palace and um I thought Palace were probably the best visitors to Anfield this season and Liverpool dug in that day and, and got the win but you'd have to go with Van Dijk um, Salah's been responsible for 24 points with, with his goals uh, Sadio Mane's now elevated himself into you know one of Europe's best his best season as a Liverpool player Jordan Henderson's been a breath of fresh air the last six weeks in that number eight role but you've got to look at Van Dijk haven't you? so good that even the Everton fans couldn't find fault in, in the <laughs> Merseyside derby back in was it March Um Best defender in the world, I think. Final thing then, Connor, I know that you uh, want to discuss this very briefly, is what happens next then? What do Liverpool do in the summer? What should they be looking to do? Well, 
they need a backup striker, don't they? It's going to be really interesting what happens with Divock Origi if he will doesn't. It, will it be a backup striker, or will it be somebody who will basically be a front line one of the four? Three yeah, four. I don't think he's going to be an out-and-out striker. I think he's going to be another one in the same mould as the front three they've got now, someone who can play against in any of the positions. Because if you look at it, I know Origi's obviously stepped up incredibly well in the last few weeks, but because he's proven he can do it, he might want to go and play more regular football. And if he does, then that's maybe fair. And you're going to have to look at bringing someone in who can play and give Mane or Salah or Firmino a rest when they need it because they do play a lot, a lot of football. And, you know, that you want someone coming in who is <coughs> of class talent to keep providing Liverpool what those three provide already so yeah I'll be interested to see what Liverpool do in the summer and obviously you need left back cover for Robertson and I think it will be in the, they're not going to make any major massive signings because they don't need to which is such a wonderful position to be in but they will buy a couple of players to just strengthen the whole squad Paul Steve yeah Liverpool won't be spending big this summer will he um, can't really see who who they could bring in that would move anyone out the team it's all going to be you know to add strength and depth to a team, left back is just, is in a, an area that they need to strengthen. As Connor says, they need a, a front man who can kind of operate in a number of positions, uh, backup goalkeeper. But I don't. It, it won't be a, a huge summer like the, the one last year, certainly. I mean, I think they might spend big on a striker. To be honest, I think they might. If there's somebody out there who they really like, they might dip into the funds because it's not as if they're not going to be wanting for money are they because they've mm. got all this money from the Champions League run and I think we were what was it the story this on uh, Sunday that they'll have taken more TV money than yeah. than anybody else I mean 49.5 million I think yeah. so James finally what's your view what do you think they need to do in the summer I know you've already mentioned they probably need to get a goalkeeper in if Mignolet goes yeah um, yeah just you know echoing what the lad said I think obviously left back cover will be be one thing he'll be looking at um I think at least one attacking player if not two I think it probably depends what happens with Origi uh I hope he stays and signs a new contract but you know if he doesn't sign a new contract you'd imagine he'd move on this summer um I know Klopp is desperate not to kind of block the path for for Rian Brewster and 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 sees him playing a part next season but you know I, I still think you know it's for a, for a player that's a young player who's still relatively unproven you know it's you you, you can't you know, you can't put too much responsibility on his young shoulders, um, and I think the, the the big thing is that you, because the bar is just set so high, City aren't going to stand still this summer, are they? You know, they're, 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 they'll They've probably already go, spoken about getting some more know, players. Fernandinho replacement yeah. long term. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll probably end up splashing 100, 150 million quid again this this summer. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. So I think you, you just can't fall into the trap, and I'm sure Liverpool won't of thinking we've got everything boxed off here because you know you you just cannot stand still. You have to. You have to look at every single department and think: Are there upgrades available? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's not going to be like a, you know, a five or six sign-in summer. I think I think it will probably be two or three, maybe four, depending on outgoings. But um, but yeah, I think the, the big thing for me is you, you think the last week for Liverpool, you couldn't ask for a better advert for any player who you know who was who was maybe had a, had a word from his agent that. That Liverpool are interested, and in, you know, and Klopp would like a word. Um, you know, who wouldn't want to come to Liverpool at the moment? You know, you know, you think the, the hundreds of millions watching that game against Barcelona, and then seeing the reaction from the crowd to to not winning the title on Sunday afternoon. I think, 
I think the pulling power of Liverpool is probably stronger now than it's been at any time, probably since the late 80s. And uh, I'm sure we'll, that will be reflected in when we see the business that they get done this summer. Time for a cheeky bid for a little, Ital- a little Argentine, I should say. He plays for Barcelona, you think? <laughs> <laughs> he looked very unhappy late last Tuesday <laughs> he, he night. Did, and yeah. he was on Merseyside as well. Yes. Anyway, that should do us. Uh, join us later this week where we'll have another podcast. Cheerio. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.